bit different. This morning we are having not one, but two preachers. Two for the price of one. What did you know? This morning I'm going to invite Oscar up first. This is Oscar Horseman. He's going to share the word and then I'm up number two. So um, if you don't know Oscar yet, uh, he's Kristen's husband. And um, it's nice to have you on. Oh, I think we should do that more. It's great to have you up here. Yeah. I mean, so she set a good platform for you. You have a very nice um, binder thing, though. Well, that might go missing. Tablet to work from, so I have to go old school. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, good morning, church. What a day to be alive and to be stretched and to be taken out your comfort zone. And that's just talking about me, right? So before we start, so I just want to, uh, so just uh, just punch something quickly. So if you have a child of uh, youth age, so I think that's about 12 and on, is it? Um, I really encourage you to send your child along to youth, because uh, I just look at our boy Riley. So last weekend was a, a very special time for us. Uh, Riley was up here with... Um, some other young people in our church getting baptized, and we know that is a fruit of youth, of what has happened there, uh, going away on youth camp, um, receiving um, the gift of tongues, um, and then that flowing into him being baptized. So it's 100% God, um, yes, and we are a Christian family, but a lot of that also comes from youth and friends and, and so on. All right. So I've got, a, I've got a confession to make. So the, this is the, not those kind of confessions. <laughs> Dave did give me a, a 15 minute time limit. <laughs> he knows my penchant for, for waffling at times. So I'm taking out my stopwatch. So I'll put it on 15 minutes. So this is not the first time I'm reliving this moment. Two nights ago I had a dream. It wasn't a prophetic dream. It was, it was one of those where you, you stand, in, stand with, without any pants in front of a group of people. I did check when I left the house, about two or three times that I'm wearing pants. So. This morning about being overlooked. And to start, I'm going to share two stories. And, and there's many times in my life that I've felt overlooked. And you might sit here and you might feel the same. Whether that has been, you felt like you've been overlooked by God, uh, overlooked by your family, overlooked in the workplace. So for me, these two instances happened um, while I was on church camp, both instances. And so the one, oh, Chris and I, we, we had church camp and it was a Saturday uh, morning and uh, we had a, a worship service and they invited this uh, this group of people to come in specially and prophesy over everybody that was there. And, oh, man, we were amped, and it was going to be really good. And so we're doing praise and worship, and oh, there was a bit of a, a talk. And then, you know, the team came in, and they started prophesying. You know, and they, they went around and prophesied over this person, prophesied over that person. And Chris and I were sitting there, and nobody comes around. Then, second round... They go around, start prophesying over people for a second time. And still Chris and I were sitting there. And we look at each other and we're like, what's happening? So after a while, we just got up and we just left. 
Second church camp, again. Um, also, we had this um, oh, Rory Dyer, very prophetic uh, South African guy. Um, so he also came in on the Saturday. Uh, we had one of our sessions. And um, so it was after the so after the preach, and it was a time of prophecy, and so I was like, yes, God, and I was standing there with both hands raised, eyes closed, and, you know, and sort of I'm standing with my, my hands raised and my eyes closed, and, and you know you feel like a person enters your personal bubble, you know, you can just feel there's somebody there. I'm sort of opening my eyes, and there, there's this guy, Rory Dyer, standing in front of me, and he says to me, close your eyes, focus on God, and he pushes me aside, to get to the person behind me to prophesy over them. So I was like, oh, man, that hurts. So you might be in that same situation, you know, where life is, you felt like God has overlooked you. And we might feel that way, but God says, I will never, never leave nor forsake you, you know. Um, we might find in work that we might be overlooked. And that then brings me to the story of, of Joseph. And we all know the story of Joseph, I hope, or not. If you don't, I'll go through it with you. I'm going to start there by reading a, a portion from Genesis 37, starting there in verse 2. So you can follow with in your Bibles if you want to. Alternatively, you can just listen. So, when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons, of, the sons of his father's, father's wives, Bila and Zilpha. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So, firstly, here we've got this young boy who, and typical sort of youngest kind of tells on his older brothers. They always reports to dad, like, hey, Judah is doing this. Naphtali is doing this. And I'm sure dad had a good go at them. All right? So he was already not in his brother's favorite books. It then goes on to say, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. So in that moment, when Jacob gives this robe to Joseph, I'd imagine immediately his brothers feel overlooked. Okay? And I'd imagine this is not the first time this has happened. I mean, it does say that he's his father's favorite. So I mean, there's probably many instances where this has happened, where they're feeling overlooked by their father all the time. Because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, now I imagine, and I'm taking a lot of um, creative license here, being the youngest child, having this beautiful robe on, I'm sure he would be like strutting around, sort of waving his robe, and then like walking over to his brothers and be like, hey, I had this dream. And this is what he says. Listen to the dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain 
Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. All right. So you can imagine what they're thinking, right? His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? Well, we know that's true later on. They don't know that. He doesn't really know that. He, he knows that God has given him this vision. And they hated him all the more because his dreams and the way he talked about it. And he talked to them about it. So he must have been a little bit arrogant. Okay? In terms of this. So God has given him this dream. He says, this is what's what going to happen. This is my destiny. This is my future. But then he's arrogant about it. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I'm sure he struts it over again. Say, hey, remember that first dream? I've got a second dream. Listen, I have another dream, he said. The sun, now it's not just kind of wheat buying over, now it's the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well to his brothers. And now his father's like, what kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? So even his father was like, you're being absolutely ridiculous. Why would you say this? And I'm sure he wasn't being humble when he said this either. So the story goes on. So obviously, brothers feeling overlooked. He comes with the story that they're going to bow down to him. So in a sense, they're like, who are you? They could possibly be feeling overlooked by God. So they were immediately jealous. The father thought, oh, what is this all about? Because their father was a really godly man. Time goes on. Brothers go out. They're shepherding the sheep far away. Dad says to Joseph, hey, Please go find your brothers, see what they're up to, and come back and let me know. So he goes off and he goes, brothers see him approaching. And they kind of discuss one another. Hey, here he comes. Let's kill him. As you do. Um, Because this jealousy has been growing in their hearts, right? It's been festering. I'm sure initially they didn't want to kill him. But over time, this jealousy just built up and built up, and it kind of led them to this. Um, so they saw him coming. I'm sure he was wearing his robe again, you know, because back in those days, that's what you wore, your robes, to keep you warm and, and dust off you and so on. As, as they saw him coming, I'm sure he got there. Oh, he was super excited to see them, see his brothers, and I'm sure they jumped him, right? They were going to kill him. Um, but our Reuben said, hey, let's not kill our brother. Let's just throw him in the pit. And if we leave him there, he'll eventually die. Obviously, he wanted to come back later and save his brother. So now, he's been thrown in this pit, and he's sitting there, probably pleading with his brothers, please get me out. What are you guys doing? Don't kill me. Judah then sees um, these slave traders coming through, And he's like, well, 
let's sell him into slavery because we can't, we're not going to kill him. Imagine dealing with the guilt of killing your brother. So let's sell him into slavery. And, well, he'll probably die, but, you know, it'll be, it won't be on our conscience because we didn't really kill him, right? So imagine then now being Joseph, being taken out the pit, being sold into slavery, sitting in cage or wagon or whatever it might be, bound up by your foot. The commentary says this 30 days. So imagine sitting for 30 days as a slave, being treated like luggage, being treated probably worse than the animals that were there. And what must have been going through his head? So God promised him this. And maybe at some stage he did think, but God, you, you, you said to me, this is what you showed me. But here I'm sitting in shackles being treated like garbage. And I'm sure at that moment in time, he must have felt overlooked by what God has said to him. And he couldn't see a way out. We then pick up the story there in chapter 39. From verse 2. I'm sorry, a little bit before that. And it is there. So, the Lord was with Joseph. So, this is now, so the slave traders went into Egypt, sold him on to Potiphar. Uh, Potiphar was... Um, was a captain in the palace guard, very wealthy, apparently massive house, three stories high. Uh, it was just ridiculous. So he gets sold to Potiphar. And it said there, the Lord was with Joseph. So even in his worst time, being a slave, God was with him. And even in our worst times, we might not think it or feel it, God is still with us. Why? Because he promises us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. As soon as he made Joseph his personal attendant, he put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crop and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything that he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. So here we see that even in that, Joseph was still just being diligent, just serving, just do, doing it like he was doing it unto God. And God was with him, and God blessed him, and God blessed other people because of him, because he had favor with God. Other people received that favor through Joseph. But then we know what happened, right? So Potiphar's wife saw him. The Bible says he was a, a handsome, strapping young man. And obviously, she had lustful desires towards him. And every day, she would try and tempt him. Oh, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. And he was like, no, 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 no. Until one day, she cornered him. 
There's no way out. And he sort of grabbed him by, by the coat or by the arm or whatever it was. And in that moment, he just ran. He was like, I, I'm just running. I'm just going. And obviously, her being embarrassed in that moment and being upset and being angry, when Potiphar came home, she's like, and, and she also told the servants that are around the place, oh, he tried to rape me. So how's this? So by doing the right thing, he got punished. How hectic is that? Now maybe you're sitting there and you've done the right thing in your life and you've gotten punished for it. And you felt overlooked. Hey, you're not the only one. There is a light at the end of the tunnel though. So part of it comes home, wife tells him the story, he gets chucked in jail. So there he's sitting again. So like, he progressed, progressed, progressed. He was like, oh, things are going really well. And doosh, got knocked down all the way again. Prison. While in prison, the kind of the warden, and again, Joseph just kind of gets on with things. He just does the littlest things. Does it like he's doing it onto God. Just faithfully serves, faithfully serves. And the prison warden, is, he sees this, and he, and he sees there's something of a blessing on him. And eventually, he puts him in charge of running the prison. Imagine that, a prisoner running the prison. And, um, but again, that's just about being in the worst situation, doing the littlest thing. Doing the little things as you're doing it to God. And it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. Then he meets these two fellows that got chucked into prison. So Pharaoh's um, chief cupbearer and his chief baker. And these two guys have, uh, each of them have a dream. And uh, Joseph kind of hears this and he's like, oh, I can interpret this, but not be- through my own strength, but because God has revealed it to me. And he says to the chief cupbearer, oh, in three days you're going to be restored and you're going to be back in the palace doing your thing uh, and he tells the chief baker well sorry you're going to die and that's what happened three days the cupbearer got raised up it was a big banquet put in charge again uh, executed the baker and i'm sure there was a conversation at some stage joseph i will remember you i'll remember what you've said and when i get out i will tell pharaoh of you well that's not what happened he forgot about him so, got released back into the prison, and it said for two full years, for two full years, he was sitting in the prison. And probably at that time, having heard this conversation, waiting, I'm sure he felt overlooked again. But then Pharaoh had some dreams of his own. And he said to his wise men, wise men, are you guys able to interpret this is the dreams I had? And they said, well, well, we don't know. And then the chief cupbearer heard this and was like, hey, I know of somebody. There's this guy in prison. When we were there, we had, the student and I, we had those dreams. And he was able to interpret it. And guess what? It was actually true, what, what he said. So Pharaoh was like, cool, go get him quickly. Tells what the Lord has revealed to me. There's a famine coming. And so on. It's going to be last for 14 years. 
And in that, Pharaoh's like, oh, who can run, who can, who's a wise person that can manage this whole thing for me? He looks around and people are just kind of shrugging their shoulders and, they, and he says, well, surely there's no wiser man than Joseph. And takes him from prison and puts him in charge in the palace. And he doesn't just put him in charge of the palace. He puts him in charge of the whole of Egypt. So apart from Pharaoh, he was probably the most, other most important man in Egypt at that time. And then we know how the story goes. Um, in, the, in the good years, he gathered all the grain and so on. Um, famine came around. Uh, he was fully prepared for it. Uh, people were able to buy grain and so on. Uh, his family knew it was coming. They knew there was, um, there was grain in, in, in Egypt. Uh, so the father sent the brothers to go buy the grain. Um, and in all of that and everything that happened, um, at, at one stage, all his brothers were in front of him, kneeling down. And from at that moment, the penny dropped. Because I'm sure that when he was in the palace, he didn't think, oh, one day my brothers are going to come I'm going to be here, they're going to come in front of me and kneel down. He didn't, I'm sure he didn't think that was the moment. But when it happened, I'm sure the, the penny dropped. This is the moment. This is what God has revealed to me. And then if we follow the story through, God put him in that position to look after his family. Because they moved from where they were, um, lived close by. He was able to provide for them. Um, and the generations that went through there. But I'm sure with, with our promise, I know things for my life. And so when I'm saying these things, I'm not saying it to you, I'm saying it more to me than anything else. That there are things that God has promised us that we feel it's not coming to fruition. It's like, God, where are you? Why are you overlooking me? Why is this not happening? And then all of a sudden, something will happen. And then that penny will drop for me. Oh, that is that word God gave me. Or that is that scripture. Or... 20 years ago when God said this. Now for, for Joseph, it took 13 years from when he saw those two dreams to when he was sold into slavery to when he became one of the most important men. It takes, it takes a while. You know, God's timing is not always our timing. But we always want to rush it, right? I'm also very impatient. Like popcorn, two and a half minutes, bam, done. God doesn't work like that. Okay, he's not a microwave. Um, so if you find yourself in that situation of being overlooked, I feel God has got this to say to you. So this is, um, I'm sure you might have heard this famous scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 12. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. So God is saying this to me. He's saying it to you. I see you. 
I've got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Oscar. It's so good because it's so easy to feel like when you're in that prison space, the overlook space, that God is somehow distant from you. But he's probably closer, I think, than that in those moments. Well, I've just got a crumpled piece of paper, but um, it's, it's not a competition, apparently. Megan thinks you should be on Shine, so there you go. Hey, um, I want to share to you some thoughts today about what it means to be blessed. I've been careful recently in using the word blessed, because I've just recently finished my PhD and started a new job, and I've a couple of times has said the same thing in an email to someone, oh, I'm just feeling really blessed that I've you know, managed to finish my PhD and get a job. It was actually, that's not normal to walk out of a, a, job, a PhD and into a job, let alone a, the job which for me is a, a dream job. Because I'm aware that in saying, oh, I'm feeling you know, aware, I'm so blessed in that. And am I saying of my other friends who have finished their PhD and are uh, the limbo land of unemployment, that they're not blessed. I say, and I've, I've gone with fortunate, feeling really fortunate. And I kind of think, well, really, is that kind of the same thing? Um, maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit. Maybe I am. But I'm writing to, like, theologians and I'm emailing, so we're known for overthinking. Um, but it's not the same because fortune is like an impersonal, you know, oh, this universe has been kind to me. Kind of thing, but when we talk about being blessed, we're talking about God blessing us, God, a person who blessing us. It's just not a a force; it's a person who blesses us, and we can see God's purposes in what He's doing. We can see His favor. We can see His blessing, but we've got to be really careful about being simplistic about it. Um, there's a hashtag hashtag So Blessed. Um, I think I've used it before, but I, I may have got on Instagram this morning just to see, like, what's hashtag so blessed? There's some lo lots of lovely uh, people posting pictures of their babies. Super cute. But then I also saw a lot of posts uh, from some woman who's just like, I don't know if she gets her husband or her partner or her friend to take photos of her. I think she's Spanish. Just, like, looking hot in places. And hashtag so blessed, clothes by whatever. I'm like... Is that why you're blessed? It's really easy to talk about being blessed in a way that is just like, I look good or I feel good, and therefore I'm blessed by God. But, but when we think about what it means to be loved by God, that's not really what it's about. There's, one of the meanings of um, to be blessed is the idea of benediction. And it, that means to speak well over a person, to speak good things over a person. I think the ultimate blessing has got to be uh, over Jesus, what, the, what God, Father God said over Jesus at his baptism. And we talked about that last week when we, we baptized three young people. That, um, I'll read it to you of Matthew 3. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And the voice from heaven, the voice of Father God, said that over Jesus before he had done a thing. This is right at the beginning of his ministry. 
It's not like, oh, you're my son, and I'm really pleased with the things you're doing to change the world, Jesus. I'm just pleased with you because you're my son, and I love you. And that's what the ultimate blessing is. But then we think about Jesus' story, and we know how it goes, what's coming up next week. You know, it didn't actually always work out, are you? It's very different <laughs> to being so blessed. And there's a, I guess I really want to encourage us to be thinking about uh, the very secular way that we might want to think about blessed is just, I've got good things, or I look good in these clothes. That's, those are the things of earth, and we're supposed to set our mind on the things of heaven. Colossians 3, 1-4. Paul writes, he says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you've died to this life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. We've got to set our minds, set our eyes on spiritual realities. And that's not saying that like the spiritual realities are stuff for another place that aren't to do with what it means to live here and now on earth. It's about having a spiritual perspective on the things that we do now, having our values shaped by spiritual realities. Letting how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive what success is, how we speak over a person, is that shaped by spiritual realities or is it shaped by earthly values? Now, if you're familiar with the church calendar, you'll know that today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. When I was young in our church, we used to get palms from somewhere. I don't know, someone pruned their palm tree every year. And we would wave these palms. I didn't really quite get it. I was like, Greenery in church, I guess this is cool. On Palm Sunday, that's the day when Jesus is entering Jerusalem. So he's coming three years after that baptism. He's done three years of hard out ministry. He's coming into Jerusalem, and all the people cut these palms, and they wave them, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. It kind of translates to, Jesus, you're awesome. You're the king. We're going to worship you. You're the best. But then a week later, we get to, Jesus, you're the worst. We're going to kill you. Like, Wow, humans, yeah, so fickle, crazy, crazy. And if you're familiar with the Easter story, which many of us are, we know that he goes from high to, to low, to really low, and then to really high again on the Resurrection Sunday. And there's a real temptation for us because we're so familiar with the story. Like we've been through it year after year after year to skip forward to Resurrection Sunday. You know, we can stand at at this point now, or stand at the beginning of the Easter weekend and be like, oh yeah, I just want to think about the resurrected Jesus bit, the bit where life wins and death is defeated. True, but life teaches that you can't actually skip forward. Yeah, we all go through Good Friday seasons where we feel overlooked by God. Good Friday seasons where we're suffering. And for some people, that is a really long space in their life. And there's always kind of this tension we have within ourselves, um, because yes, Sunday is coming, but it doesn't negate the pain of Friday. And I think if we, um, if we over-focus on Sunday or if we get there too soon, if we rush, we fast forward, we do a disservice to people who are in a Good Friday space. Uh, we do a disservice to ourselves. We're in a Good Friday space because we feel like maybe when things are hard, God doesn't love me as much as when things are good. If I can post a a selfie and put a hashtag so blessed on it, 
oh, then I'm in a place where God loves me. But if it's mm, the point where you're like, I'm not taking a selfie, let alone posting one, and I'm certainly not going to hashtag it so blessed, that maybe God doesn't love me quite so much. Maybe I'm not as blessed. But even in the Good Friday place space, we are somehow still blessed. We are still blessed. Sometimes blessing doesn't come how we want it to. Sometimes blessing doesn't feel like we want it to, but the ultimate blessing is the presence of God with us, is to have that that voice that speaks over us again and again, oh my, you're my daughter, I love you, and I'm well pleased with you. And I want to declare to you today that you are God's daughter, you are God's son. He loves you, and he is well pleased with you. Whether you are in Good Friday and everything is dead, and you can say, darkness is my only friend, Psalm 88. Or maybe you're in Easter Sunday and you're just smashing it and things are great. You're still, (laughs) God loves you and he's well pleased with you. This is what it is to be blessed, is to have those words spoken over you and then to kind of orient yourself, your life and your perception of your life under those. And I've been thinking about this when it comes to praying recently. I, um, I was just provoked by a conversation I had with someone about thinking about how I pray, and I've, I've shifted a bit to a need that I've got. Instead of just asking God what I want to do, to say, God, I'm, I bring this under your blessing. So last week I was um, went up to Auckland for a few days for work, and I was feeling quite ill on Tuesday night, and I was like, I'm not going to tell Air New Zealand that I have a sore throat, but... And I did. Is this, maybe this is a mum thing, but you often think, oh, I'm feeling sick. And then your body's like, we don't have time for this. When does, and it skips over it. I'm not the only one. You just, I don't know. I'm sure Dave's get that as well. Um, we'll see how it goes for you, Dave. But, but I thought to myself, actually, yes, I do want God to just make me feel better. But actually, I just want God to bless me. And in my prayer, um, I've been praying, oh, God, just bring this under your blessing. And I know that you are going to bless me in this, whether blessing looks like healing my sore throat or whether blessing looks like giving me space in my schedule. Maybe blessing looks like having an incredible sense of your presence with me. And I'm not going to stop asking for God to heal me. And I'm certainly not going to stop asking for God to heal other people. But in a broader sense, I want to pray that God is, people are experiencing the blessing of God because it's quite you can have all the things go right for you. You can be in perfect health and just financially secure and great, but not live under the blessing of God. There are many, many people in our world who are just doing absolutely like killing it, really, when you think of the things of the earth. But when it comes to the things of heaven, spiritual realities, they're bereft. They're totally lost. And so I want to keep, I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm sitting in this, this tension, this space. And that's a particularly a leading up to Easter thing, where, they, where we would go from, yeah, to, oh, gosh, I don't know about this. Oh, to, oh, my gosh, this is so bad. And then Holy Saturday, we're like, oh, what even happened? I thought this was going to be this, and now I'm totally lost to the surprise of Easter Sunday. And I'd really encourage you, uh, as we go over the journey of this, uh, of this Easter week, to help yourself to walk through those spaces. Read through the Passion do what I, what I loved what um, Oscar did as he was just reading through that story is he used his imagination when reading the Bible because the Bible is like it's 
you could pad it out an awful lot in terms of narrative. Like, it's pretty succinct, uh, concise. To use your imagination. Like, let's read through the passion narrative this week. Whatever gospel you want to choose it from. But take some time over it and imagine what it looks like. But I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the, um, the thought I've brought this morning about to bring your whatever it is under the blessing of God. Because I'm pretty sure that each one of us today are sitting here with something that we need from God. I mean, if anyone is just like 100% living the dream, then that's great. I'm so pleased for you. The rest of us have... I just want to lead you in a prayer around this. Maybe close your eyes if it helps you get distracted. If you're dealing with kids, just close one eye. Keep an eye on them. Or just close both eyes and just let the Lord look after them. It's my parenting policy. And just bring to mind, what is, what is something you think, oh gosh, I really need this from you. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a financial need, an emotional struggle. Maybe it's something that is just, you woke up and today it's an issue. Or maybe it's been an issue for a long time. But let's bring those before the Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we bring before you our needs. Lord, we bring before you our weaknesses. Lord, and we bring them under your word of blessing over us. Thank you, Father, that even when we are in a season where we feel overlooked or we feel hopeless, where we run out of perseverance and endurance, Lord, that your blessing is still over us. And we bring our lives, God, under your blessing this morning. Father, we ask that you would meet us in our need and in our weakness. And God, when we're honest with you, we would like you just to solve all of our problems. But really, God, we know what is better for us is to have a closeness with you, the empowering of your spirit, the fruit of the Spirit working out within each of us in, in whatever situations of challenge we have. And Father God, I ask that you would help each one of us in our place of weakness and of struggle. In the need perhaps we hold before you that is a need that another has, someone we love. Father, we just declare over those situations that we are your children, that you love us, God, that you are well pleased with us and you want to bless us. We receive your blessing this morning. We receive your grace and we release to you, Lord, our need. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you make us our, your own, that you make a space for us within yourself, that you would take us Lord, as we are into yourself, Lord, we could, that we could say our real lives are hidden with Christ and God. Lord, help us to see ourselves, to see our situations as bring under blessing this morning. In Jesus' name. Just stay standing. I, I want to give people an opportunity. Perhaps you're here today and you... You love this idea of blessing, but you, you think, I'm not actually on a journey. I'm not under the, um, I'm not a Christian, and so I can't claim that, that kind of blessing. 
Or there's always an invitation and opportunity to each one of us to receive relationship with God. Jesus has done everything that is required to make a way. And so just while if everyone has been closing their eyes, just helps people have a bit of privacy. If there's someone here today who would like to respond and say, yeah, I would like to become a Christian today, then if you raise your hand and give me a wee wave, I can see you. Or maybe you've, you think, oh, I've been following God in the past, but that's not true of where I'm at now, and I'd like to recommit my life. Is there anyone who sees himself in that category? Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can open your eyes. We would love to pray with you. If you have a need in your life and you think, I just, I'd love someone to stand with me in prayer, to speak a blessing over me, then we're going to close with a final song. But there's space down the front. We'd love to pray with you. Just, just come down. And we'd love to stand with you and pray for you. So I declare over you a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, give you his favour. In Jesus' name. We're going to close our service with a song and then there's space for prayer. Uh, but then in this um, foyer afterwards, there's morning tea, there's coffee. If you are a new person, make sure you stick around. We would love to get to know you better. I'll hand back over to Dave.